Hey guys, welcome back to the OPD podcast with Joe and Austin. We've got no guests today. We're um, we're going to do just a, a catch up with the hosts episode. We haven't done one of these for a while. So Austin, you've definitely got a lot to update us on your injury status because I see that you're getting back into some, some training of the upper body and um, I'll run through a bit of what's going on with my current bodybuilding phase, but kick it off, man. How are you? How is everything? How's the injury? Um, I'm good. Yeah, everything's good here. It's actually the temperature's cooling down outside so I can actually train without having a heat stroke, which is nice. Mm. So that's been that's definitely been a positive. But uh no, the injury is all right. I mean it's this week I did some dumbbell presses, some flat dumbbell presses. So I notice if I do like a flat or a decline, like a slight decline press, it's pretty easy on the joint. Um it didn't feel terribly weak, but like some, just some general instability, you know, like as I would, as I would go through the press and I would get a little bit closer to a failure point, I could tell my left side was just not weak so much, but kind of a little shaky. Um, this but I went up, what's that? You're getting back to it really, really quickly. I think so. I mean, I don't know. It's, you know, like, like the doctor or the, the chiropractor and the other doctor I've been seeing it's shoulder and you know, shoulder injuries are so complex because you literally can't do anything without your shoulder, you know? So, um, you know, upper body wise, other, everything below the hip, of course, but you can't do a whole lot with the upper body without moving the shoulder other than like hyper extensions and like retracting your scapula, right? You can't really do much else. Um, so that makes it difficult even and you you wouldn't think about it but even just a bicep curl and a tricep extension having that tension out in front of you you know is putting pressure on on the front of the shoulder and that bursa sac that was inflamed mm. so at first even a tricep extension was pretty would you know once i would pull that weight down even if i kept it right up against my body you'd still feel pressure so mm. But now it's, like I said, I did, I actually worked up to like a 70 pound dumbbell, which I thought was pretty good. Uh, I did 15 pounds, like uh, probably like a week, two weeks ago. And I did 30, 30, 40. So I just kind of worked up. Um, it was all right. I've just, I still kept it kind of metabolic. I did all like EMOM fashion, just tried to do sets of 10 every minute. And my chest was actually completely destroyed it was so sore Better so novel now isn't it so when was the last time you trained chest properly before this well yeah that's the thing is i haven't really i hadn't really been able to that was the one thing that i wasn't really able to train um because with the nature of the injury being on the front you know on the front deltoid i could do a lateral motion like a half, like, you know, like partial lateral raises and stuff are pretty, are fine. But that front, uh, front deltoid where that bursa sac's located, I couldn't really do much. So yeah, that was, it was just a new stimulus because I haven't done anything. Plus, you know, being short rest periods and stuff, it just kind of, it really blew my chest up. But um, yeah, I'm excited about that. So hopefully I can build on that for a while. Still, so this week, so I did lose, I lost a couple of pounds, but this week I was like two between my high, after a training day, I would be like 247, 
to or two forty seven and a half. But I'm dude, I'm trying. I'm trying my best to hold it. It's rough. When you're fully recovered and stuff, what um are you gonna do from there? Are you just gonna start the, the gaming phase again? I don't know. I think I think I'm gonna need I think I'm gonna need to resensitize because I'm just I'm just gonna lose I mean, I don't see how I can maintain insulin sensitivity eating this kind of food for forever. You know, I need to go check because I'm gonna have labs soon and I'm gonna check my um my fasted insulin levels as well. So I'll check because I've been monitoring blood glucose, but I'll actually check my A1C and fasted insulin to give me a broader picture. And I also you know, like I also want to keep an eye on like my lipid panel, so triglycerides and stuff, especially when you're eating all those carbs. Yeah, um, yeah for sure. Yeah. Yeah, because that'll drive that's kind of that that's kind of an indicator of that metabolic syndrome type of you know, issue when your triglycerides start driving up, your insulin levels drive up, which inevitably it's going to happen. But I feel like if I'm rebuilding my strength, I'll feel much better about doing a reset phase at that point, rather than having done one four to six weeks ago when I was weak and couldn't train. Mm, Yeah. So I just got some blood work done. Okay. So, I, my favorite time to get blood work is like now when I'm at almost like the peak of my drug load of this block. Let's see what it looks like. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And then it the the only marker that was out actually was um, CK. Um, it, it was I was all really happy with it. Everything exactly where you want it to be. It was the first time I've actually gotten blood work at this point in a blast and my hdl has been normal um that's great yeah so i'm, I'm really happy with that so you know. how much how high is your food though what's your food at um i'm at two so this is daily i'm not rotating train days non train days i'm at 290 protein sorry let me just bring my chronometer up because i can't quite remember off the top of my head i'm in that mode where i just eat exactly the same thing every day um, let me check on chronometer here. Um, but in terms of body weight, I've got, I'm about 33 pounds up. Um, calipers haven't changed, which I'm happy with. Um, food is at 290 protein, 625 carb, and 60 fat. Okay, but yeah, that's still that's a good amount of food still. Yeah, four yeah. thousand. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, the reason I ask is because I think, I think some people just underestimate too that one of the things that, besides obviously the androgens that will start skewing your lipid profile, is when you get really insulin resistant. Yeah. You know, in that in that off season phase. So I think it's kind of like the, it's that double whammy there where they're they're adding more androgens and then they're eating all this food and they're not controlling their blood sugar the way they should. Yeah, so part of the reason why I wanted to get the blood work was I've been having this really, really um, like chronically low blood glucose, um, and I get a pretty strong reactive hypo after basically every meal. And it's something that's been pissing me off. And I, I had some ambitions. I was thinking, you know, I've gained a lot of weight, putting quite a lot of food in. For me to be waking up with a, a three or a 2.8 N mole, 
you know, what, what's going on? I'm, I was thinking my blood insulin must be pretty high. So I was a bit worried about that. Right. It, was, it was completely, yeah. So um, I guess it's just one of those things, but I was, I was happy with that. Yeah, I have another guy like, I have a guy that's exactly like that and that he, like, it almost seems like his partitioning and insulin sensitivity improves when he eats more. It's so bizarre. Yeah, well, I love my blood glucose <laughs> chronometer and it brings up a graph that's got a trend line and it's, it's continued to drop as I've got heavier. Yeah, yeah, which is obviously super counterintuitive to you know, what they, what you would expect, but, um, well, hell yeah, that's awesome. I mean, you're partitioning, basically a partitioning machine. <laughs> partitioning machine, yeah. Yeah, so I'm going to press on for, I think I've got another 20 pounds left in me before I'll, I'll diet it off. Um, nice. Yeah. Yeah, man, just keeping that, keeping that body weight up high, that's, that's one thing I'm too, I'm curious to see, like when I come all the way down to like a show condition, because I've been now the second time around in my second push, I've held 245 to 250 for a long period of time. Mm -hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like I've literally been over that weight the whole time. And um, so hopefully that translates into I'm thinking at this point with, with the injury thing and the fact that the shows are kind of still up in the air, some of them, um, I might just do another push-up phase just to see if I can get like 255 in the next one. Yeah. Get yeah. another five pounds out of it. I mean, looking at you now and you being the weight you are, and I'm thinking last time you competed, you was about 195-ish, right? Yeah, one ninety. Like 193 to 197, I did two shows. It was like right around there. So, you know, there's no way on this planet you're ever ended up there again unless you really... Oh, gosh, I hope not. I'd be... I, if, dude, if I came all the way back down to that, I'd probably just quit. <laughs> yeah. Like, what would, you, what yeah. would be the point? Yeah. <laughs> There'd be no point. <laughs> that degree of force feeding for so long, coming back down... And no, fuck that. Yeah, I can't... I mean, now, now, granted, if it was like a situation where I was doing a national show and I was like 206 or 207 and had to make the decision to try to suck down to 198, that's, that's different. But if I'm coming down and like weighing in at 195, I'd, I'd fucking just quit. <laughs> no matter how much you love bodybuilding, that's not okay. No, what's the point? Like, I would still bodybuild, but there would be no... Like there, that all that would tell me is that I'm pretty much at a ceiling. There's no way I was going to make more progression without just being like blatantly deleterious to my lifespan. Right. Yeah, yeah. You know, because I pushed it. I, I mean, I've literally just been cramming food for like over like uh, over a year now. It has been a long time, hasn't it? It has been. Yeah, just cramming food. You'll have to, I'll have to tell you some of the funny stories. Like the one the other day, people, listeners will get a kick out of this. I was on, so I was, I came inside after I trained and this was, this was probably a few weeks ago or probably about a month ago, maybe this it was right around when I hurt the shoulder and I was thinking, all right, 
I need to keep eating. I need to keep, you know, keep my intake up. I don't want to just drop my weight right away. And uh, I was bummed about it, right? My mood was kind of down. So I just trained, did what I could. It was like a light workout. I was getting ready to take a shower. I'm struggling to get my food down. I'm like just struggling so bad. I go to sit on the toilet. I had to go to the bathroom. So I go to sit on the toilet. I'm butt ass naked. Got to get in the shower. And I just projectile vomit all over the front of my body. <laughs> I just puked all over myself. I had puke in my beard. I had puke running down the front of me. It just, I was trying to crank. I was just starting to like push this last bite in and it just regurgitated and all came up. Right. I, I had a similar experience last week <laughs> for different reasons. We were, um, we were out traveling. Um, we went up to Worcester to see Tom Hames and Luca, a client of mine. Tom, okay. Tom Hames' wife is a nurse, so she drew my blood for me. That's who I get to do my blood. Coronavirus, blood banks were like still closed in my area, so I couldn't go and get bloods from anywhere, so I got it done through her. Anyway, on the way back through, we stopped to see my nan in Market Harbour, and we got a takeaway. Um, they wanted an Indian Right, I'm not a fan of Indian food. Um, we ordered an Indian, and I was I was actually saying ironic. I was like, "Damn, this is really nice." I was like, "I don't I don't normally like Indian, but this is." Bad. I got home that night, and my stomach was just making bizarre sounds. I was like, "This is weird." I went to bed. Uh -oh. <laughs> a couple of, about an hour later, I had to just slam my hand over my mouth, run to the bathroom, uh, and it it just went everywhere. <laughs> damn it! That was all. That's rough. All night, I was about six hours straight throwing up like everything I had inside me. <laughs> That's rough. It's not a good feeling. That that um, like gag reflex thing. Ugh, it's such a terrible feeling. My throat was killing me for like three days. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. It is not fun. Not fun. Um, they like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, <clears throat> of course, you know. Of course, I'm like, oh shit! Now I'm gonna lose all. I'm gonna lose that whole meal. And did you reeat it? No, I didn't lose the whole thing. I probably only lost a little bit of it, and I had a little bit more calories, so I probably, I probably made up for it. But um, but yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird thing. It's it's odd because I don't have, I don't have like any bizarre like gas or anything i mean occasionally like i'll have a little bit but it's not anything really too strange i'm not i'm not like bloated feeling in the lower gi my upper stomach's just full yeah. of food you know um i mean so it's not like i'm having direct like a bunch of direct gi issues it's more like a part of it's a palatability issue like we talked about before it's just it's so it's so hard to get anything to taste good enough. And it's like, as soon as it hits my mouth, it's just, uh, this makes me want to gag. So I've been changing some stuff. I've been doing unflavored, like my whole intro workouts, like practically unflavored now. Yeah. See, Which, that, I, find, I still find that so interesting that you just become like averse. To, you just don't want to taste anything. Like, no, it's, you know, Jerrica bought me, because my birthday was earlier this week and she bought me a, a, like a cake, like a small cake, which, uh, which I normally am not much of a sweet eater unless I'm really hungry. If I'm really hungry, sweets are, they taste good. And, um, 
I was like, oh yeah, you know, my calories are super high or whatever. I'll just have a piece of cake. It's probably not that big of a deal. So I got to half of a piece. I'm like, this is going to make me compute. It's so rich, you yeah, know? On that edge, yeah. You, and you have to be practical about where the food's coming from. You can't just have a piece of cake, which is, you know, quite funny. If you told that to, to a gem pot person that's trying to just lose a bit of fat, looking at it, the most bizarre thing. <laughs> it is. It's strange. It's a very, it's like a really odd issue. I told, um, I told someone the other day, she's a nurse. I asked her if she could just do a port that I could just IV food in. Yeah. She laughed. She's like, yeah, we can put one in. I was like, could I still train with it in? It's like, yeah, if we put it in the right spot. <laughs> put it, just put it like back of your hammies or something. No, she said she put, put it up on your, on your chest. Oh, uh, yeah. I was like, okay, like upper chest area. I was like, oh, okay. I said, I might, we might have to do that. <laughs> I, I've just got a cartoon of you with like food going down a tube. Like you can see up on the turkey. Uh, but yeah that's that's honestly been the only real that's been the hardest part and then also just trying to figure out like I've slowly gotten I slowly figured some things out over time in terms of like timing my food and stuff because obviously I have to eat like three and a half hours before I train minimum yeah I mean you can't you just can't even like go out and do anything because you're just so full um but slowly figured it out. The training thing though, I think is, I think there's some, some positive there in that I'm doing more metabolic work. So I guess there could be some, a little bit of a CNS reset from that. Mm -hmm. I I'm just doing one day a week where I, where I'm doing a bunch of sets of failure, not a bunch of like three or four sets of failure for my leg for lower body, but literally the rest of it, I do some hard sets that are probably close to failure, but it's more like high rep stuff. And I'm more, I'm failing more from like the lactic threshold, you know, not really so much like mechanical failure where I'm falling down and dying at the end. You know what? That's a really interesting point. I haven't thought about like the nervous system interactions with, with your food intake, because eating that much food mm -hmm. is pretty stressful. Right? Quite a bit of sympathetic. Right. You need that excessive parasympathetic tone dominance for that, like localized angiogenesis within the GI. Um, so it's almost right. like really it's, fighting an uphill battle. It's a lot of, yeah. it is. It's a lot, and and the parasympathetic demand is so high because you got to think, you got to think even if with a lower, even if you did like a more moderate meal frequency, you have food digesting all day. Yeah. When it's that high, you have foods digesting all day. There's only a very small period of the day, maybe when you get up in the morning, where your stomach's empty. Yeah, you it's, that's that. it. When you wake up, you've you are fully like gastrically emptied. Um. Yeah, I feel like I actually do some vacuums in the morning. Yeah. Usually, if I you know I normally probably like three or four times a week. Just when I remember, I will always pull some vacuums in the morning. And I'm, a, I'm able to do them, no problem. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just fullness. It's just like, I, I think, you know, the digestive strain is just so stressful on your body, more so than people realize. Uh, that's why, and, and you'll notice this too, when, when guys, especially bigger male bodybuilders, as they get heavier, 
and they're eating more, they, they need to sleep more. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. You're, it, you see it all the time. It's like I had a client tell me that the other day because we've got his food pushed pretty high, and he's getting close to his heaviest weight. And uh, he's like, man, I feel like I need more sleep. He's like, but I'm doing everything, you know, everything I need to be to recover. And, um, you know, his sleep markers and stuff, HRV, everything looks fine. He's like, I just feel like I need to sleep more. I said, yeah, I think it's pretty normal as your body weight goes up and food's pretty high. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. You um, so. mentioned shows, your end. Are, are shows back on around here? Yeah, there's some. I had someone compete last weekend. I have uh um I have two two more. I have one, let's see, one um guy that's doing a smaller national federation, then I have a a figure IFBB figure pro that's doing a show. Now most of the pro shows they've moved to like uh most of them are in Georgia or Florida. Okay. So, I mean, so she's doing the Chicago Pro, but it's not in Chicago. It's in Atlanta, Georgia. So I don't, yeah. Just like they moved the New York Pro to Tampa, I think. I saw that. Have they changed the name of it? No, they just left it. They left it New York Pro because I'm assuming they'll move it back, hopefully, eventually. But I think it was just a temporary thing. But, uh, yeah, it's just she's doing – the Chicago Pro in Atlanta, and then this other guy's competing in uh, his state. I'm trying to think of which state it's in. He's close to me, but yeah, um, it depends on the state. Like some of them, no; other ones, yes. The restrictions and stuff are different. They had the, well, I'm sure you saw they had the North American Championships, yeah, recently. Um. I think they did it outside what was in a tent. Yeah, yeah. Which I think is hilarious. You know how funny that is because they, they're not supposed to do the inside events, but they have a tent that has enclosed sidewalls. <laughs> I suppose if you can get around it, you know. You know, and they have fans blowing in these tents. You would think if there was an airborne issue that they were worried about, Hence, they're allowing outside activity, not indoor or whatever. It's like, uh, you've literally got these fans blowing around in an enclosed tent. It's hilarious. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, it's hilarious. So it's like, it doesn't make any sense. It's all, it, yeah. The only thing that's happened to shows this end is um, spectators are still pretty limited. Right, Yeah. Things have just taken a turn for the worse over here. I think they're talking about another lockdown potentially. We just had some more restrictions on how many people you're allowed to see and, and all this um, stuff. Um, in fact, oh. remember um, Savannah who came on this podcast? She did that really popular one. Savannah, yeah. Did she have a show get cancelled? No, it's, it's on. She's competing uh, three weeks in a row. First one is a week tomorrow. So by the time people yeah. podcast, it will be it will be today if you're listening to this podcast the day it comes out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yep. 
yeah, the no spectator things, I think pretty much all of them are like that here. I think some of them were allowing, were allowing like coaches, other ones weren't. Yeah. So. On some of the shows here, you're allowed one person. So I'm going down with Savannah to all of the shows. Um, nice. That'll luckily, be fun. Yeah, luckily. I'd, I'd hate to miss a show that a client was competing in because, it, you know, as, as much as I coach people online, it does make a difference when you can see the details in person, I'll admit. You know. Um, sure. Yeah. I mean, if they're if they're within reasonable distance, especially. Yeah, yeah. Like UK coaches, they should really be at all their clients' shows. It's hard. Can't be difficult. Uh, yeah, you would think. I mean, you would think unless there's like a situation where they have multiple people competing at different places, or yeah. or they had like some prior engagement or something. But yeah, I would, I would think so. Yeah, but that'll be cool. Yeah. She's coming down a couple of days before as well, so peak in person, which is for me, that's the. the best. One of the things that's difficult to I because I had this with my first time, the guy that competed last weekend is understanding that you know because one they're switching the area that they're taking photos right because they're going to a hotel or whatever and a lot of these places don't even have good don't even have like good lighting in them so just like understanding that those things need to be as consistent as possible and how important that stuff is. I think that definitely makes a difference when you're peeking someone. Yeah. I typically start asking for photos outside. You can always get a photo outside, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's go ahead. No, I'll usually from a couple of weeks out alongside the typical spot, we'll start asking for, you know, go in your garden midday ish, snap a few for me and then backstage at the show you know you can just pop out the back snap a few so you've always got some some level of consistency as long as the weather holds up yeah right for the most part you know or and once you kind of find that spot just continue to use it type of thing um but yeah yep it's still i don't even know i i don't know what every and here every state's different like every state's requirements are different. And even just the, just things like every state's um, uh, reinforcement, like reinforcing the actual requirements. Like some, uh, to be completely honest, where I live, nobody really kids a shit. Yeah. You know, like nobody cares. Yes, there's a mask mandate here in this state by the governor, but depending on which cities you go to, like around me, especially in the rural areas, nobody cares. Yeah, isn't it what people aren't walking around with the mask on? Nobody is. No. I mean, you you'll see a few people with them on, and occasionally. Now, if you go into the city, this close to the city to me, you'll see a little bit more. But again, like if you walked into a gas station or or something, still nobody says anything. Yeah. Yeah. You know now. If you go to a larger city, it's a little bit different, you know, but, um, yeah, it's bizarre. It's just so, it's like you can go, I'm curious to see, because we'll, we go to Colorado next month for that other seminar, and uh, I know, I'm pretty sure you have to fly with the mask on the whole time, which is going to suck to wear that damn thing on the stuffy plane. 
Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Well, I wore one for like the first time yesterday. I mean, I've, I've worn one to like pop in and out the shop. Um, yeah. I haven't had one on for longer than like two minutes. But I went into the went into the barbers to have my head shaved and have my beard cut. And Joe cuts my hair. He goes, sorry, bro, I'm going to have to get you to wear the mask. He's like, you're cutting my beard, man. How am I going to wear a mask? And he said, well, right. the rule is that, you know, whilst we do your hair, you wear the mask. And then you have to take it off and we trim the beard. And then you have to put it back on whilst we do the sides. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> I, see, the guy that cuts my hair and trims my beard, I have to wear it till I get to the chair and then I can take it off. That, it's just bizarre, isn't it? Because what's the, what is happening in the, like, <laughs> I don't know, man. I know. I understand. Like, I understand some places they're, they're like, uh, if, if you're close to somebody within the proximity, but you would think me walking into the lobby of the store would be less problematic than me sitting right beside the barber. Yeah, exactly. About you know, it's almost back. It's like completely backwards. And, and you're about to be next to him for a good amount of time. So why got to walk up to him with a mask on? It's not going to make a difference. You know, I, I, it's crazy. I don't know, you know, I don't know in terms of uh, reinforcement and stuff there, but there's been some, there's been people in certain places that, well, at first we had all those protests and stuff going on, right? Which I'm sure you probably heard a little bit about. Yeah. It was like the killings and all that shit. So we had, we had that going on and nobody, hardly anyone, I'm not gonna say nobody, but hardly anyone was practicing any social distancing or had any masks on during these protests and people are all just crammed right beside each other. Nobody says anything about it, you know, as far as like the news and, and um, the people basically securing these protests, you know, cops and whatnot. But then we've had just random people get arrested doing nothing because they had, you know, they didn't have a mask on. It's like, yeah. uh, Fucking don't even understand any of it. I saw a video of a woman getting tased for not wearing a mask today. We did. Yeah. Crazy. Did you? Yeah, we did recently. It was like uh, this week. She was watching a football. She was at a football game. Or you guys, it was our American football game. But <laughs> yeah, they just tased her. <laughs> Absolutely. Jesus. Fucking crazy. Anyhow, um, okay, let's let's not talk about politics and masks. I talk bodybuilding. The- Something I've got a lot of questions about, so probably worth covering, is um, the way I've structured my training program in this gaining phase. Um, yeah, because you were doing the nonlinear type of specialization phases. Right, yeah, so... The way that you can, if anybody listening, I mean, just telling you what I did is probably not that helpful. Um, so if you've got a pretty good idea, it's this simple, right? If you've got a pretty good idea of what your recoverable amount of work is per week and how high you can estimate that over the entirety of a mesocycle, then all you do is redistribute that workload to be one at a maintenance level, so probably like five to ten hard sets a week on the body parts, not focusing on. And then pick like two, one or two body parts that you do want to focus on for a block and put the absolute rest of your recoverability into them. 
and then progressively overload them with everything you've got. So that includes reps, load, sets, whatever. The only word that you have to think of, right? Do more. It's that, it's that simple. I think, you know, people have been asking me some crazy stuff. You know, Victor's done a long YouTube video on it for anybody that wants to watch that. Victor calls it Black Death or something. Yeah. Yeah, it was something like that. I know he was debating on the political correctness of his title. Yeah, fuck that. But um, <laughs> I would recommend any... I think Victor's going to sell it as a program. So anybody that wants just kind of the... The easy way around because it's going to include a diet model and a drug model as well. I think just buy that. But you know, in general, when you structure training, that's all it is, isn't it? Do know how much you can recover from over X amount of time, push to the top tolerable limits, get to the maximum amount of fatigue you can accumulate, rinse it off, do it all again, but more. Yeah, if you can, and and like you said, if you want to specialize for a body part, then you have to basically bring something else down to. Yeah, you know, at least maintenance level and redistribute some of that recovery ability to the other body parts. Exactly. And that's, that's it. I mean, it's, it, and there's probably, and that really, there's probably a lot of ways that you could do it. It could be volume for that body part within a session. It could be more frequency for that body part throughout the week. You know, it's just taking the total volume. You could really split it up however you wanted. Exactly. Um, exactly that. Yeah. So I'm probably, going- and, and that's, Sorry, what was you saying? Man? No, you're good. Go ahead. Um, so I did, I did legs. I mean, I had surgeries on my legs last year, and then out the back end of that, we had quarantine. So I didn't really have access to a, a good way to train legs with heavy mechanical load. And admittedly, I was lazy on them, so they were pretty small. Um, so I hammered away. I did two four-week blocks. By week four, I was toast. You know. You, a lower body specialization block is very, very hard. Um, sure. I added, I got two inches on the legs and here we are about five weeks later now and they're still exactly the same size. So I'm happy with that. So it wasn't just inflammation, you know, it wasn't just this like acute uptick in glycogen or whatever. Um, right. All the same. So that's good. Um, and I've kind of swapped the model over to back and chest now where I've literally all I've done is redistribute the volume so legs has come down so quads and hams have come down and the amount that they come down chest and back has gone up you know right it's that simple so yeah legs are what now I'm hitting once back and chest sure. once a week now I'm hitting three times because it's just more efficient to redistribute that amount of volume isn't it but is that you know it really is that simple yeah and there's i I suppose you could probably make it more complex like there's some nuances there like uh you're you're not going to say let's say if your maximum recoverable volume was i don't know 12 sets it's probably going to be different between 12 sets of legs and 12 sets of chest absolutely body's going to suck up a lot more of that you know total recoverable ability so like you said if you take if you were going leg specialization you might be able to take that whole extra load that you were doing for legs volume wise and split that up between back and chest because those two are backs pretty big but i mean back and chest might equal legs does that make sense like in terms of in terms of total 
recovery demand. Your mic's just gone really quiet and tinny. Mic? Yeah. Oh, am I good now? No, it's still, it's still like. Uh, Hang on. Let me, let me adjust. Let me adjust. You, you come back. I'm back. Okay. I'm good. I adjusted. We heard what you said anyway, so it's all good. Um, but yeah, you're right. So, like, for example, this is my first go around the back and chest block. I'm about four weeks in. I'm nowhere near as beat up as I was four weeks into the leg block. So, you know, you're left. Right, out. exactly. But yeah. is, so, here I've got two, two sort of roads I could take. Um, because I'm following a model that has load progression, has rep progression, and set progression, the limiter at this point becomes time, time cost. You know, because if I've got some chest movements, I'm adding a set to every week. I can't be going in and just doing like 20 sets on a movement or something ridiculous, you know. There's, there's right. where you're just in junk and there's a point that you've lost internal focus. So I can either take, I can either pay the time cost fee and come in and do the extra set or I could deload maybe for a shorter time because the leg block had a long deload. I could even just take four days off reset back to where the sets were but every time i reset the set, i go up in load um and then accumulate right. it's less it's less accumulative fatigue right but whichever way i go it's just doing more you know i can either do more stuff or i'm going to deal with more load it doesn't matter it's just more yeah i mean doing doing more is any i mean here's the thing too is if you do more weight if, if you do more weight, it's effectively more volume anyhow. Yes. It's, it's the same. And that's where I think people confuse the term volume because volume is like a sum. Think of volume as a total. Right. Um, it's, not, again. It's, not, it's not like the model. Don't get it confused though because I think I, I had someone ask me, well, if I just did more as in I just did a moderate intensity or like a low to moderate intensity, and then just did more and more and more and more sets, that accumulates volume too. I'm like, well, no, because now we're not meeting intensity threshold to create a dash. Yeah, so, you know, one set of 100, um, right. one rep with 100 kilos or 100 reps with one kilo, they're not going to have the same outcome. Um, right. Checking volume load is excellent. Something that I get with to, uh, clients to do, mostly because it gives them a really clear trajectory of where to go. But um, there's contingencies, right? It has to be within a specific rep range. It has to be within a specific threshold to failure. Um, and, and, and all kinds of, you know, how efficient is the profile of the movement? Where are you failing in that range? Um, all, all of these things have to be taken into account for. But if you tick all those boxes, tracking volume load from there with those rules, so to speak, and there's really efficient way to track progress. And um. There's absolutely yeah. easily now, you know? Yeah, and you could, and I mean, a really simple, a very simple way to do it is just, is if you took the same, basically the same block, you continue to progress until you've reached enough cumulative fatigue where you need to reset, and then you start over, and you do more than you did last time. Exactly. It's, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's effectively, you know, <laughs> increasing a volume i mean that's that's what it is so it doesn't ha it, can be, it can be complicated yeah you can't complicate it it doesn't have to be complicated i think it just kind of depends on 
kind of depends on what kind of specialization you need to do in terms of like bringing out body parts and stuff. Um, but if someone's literally just trying to grow muscle, it's pretty much that simple. Yeah. So, you, you know, it doesn't even have to be within a specialization block, just spread your volume evenly. But if you're not right. much of a magnitude of progression, just trying to add load to the bar, if you start tracking volume load and you say, Oh, look, I can really easily add volume load by tacking a set on each week, but I'm not, I'm only adding like two and a half kilo every four weeks. Well, you can space it out without it becoming injurious, you know? So a thousand kilo of load by adding a set or two, which is not a huge time cost necessarily, as long as you're not doing it all the time. Um, But to try and get that volume load with load would be, as we said, injurious or impossible. You could just say, right, well, if I do like four week cycles, let's say first week I do one top set with 100. Second week I do two sets with 100. Third week I do three sets with 100. Four weeks. So let's say you've got to the end of that week and you've done 10,000 kilos in volume and you're doing four sets. But then let's say you go back to the one set with 105. Well, you're going to accumulate fatigue over the next four weeks so that eventually you're back at four sets with 105. So there you go. You've now escalated beyond. Right. Yeah. And I find this works well. Not everyone has a great... This isn't for everyone. This is for people that maybe don't have a genetic proclivity to rapid gains in strength. Um, Right. Yeah, if you... You know, frankly... Frankly, a progressive overload model for people that are able to do it, it works really well. Um, you don't necessarily have to do this type of specialization. If, you, if you're somebody that can get stronger over and over and over and over and over and over again, then you're probably going to be all right. Yeah, just do that. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's going to work. It's just you just have to, in, you have to increase something. That's the thing is you can't. You can't expect there to be an adaption if you don't increase something. And what makes pro- progressive overload work? It's a, it's a novel stimulus, right? So it, right. people hear progressive overload and they think oh, load. You can, you can progressively, I mean, if you have a newbie trainer that goes in and is working five reps in reserve, next week they work four reps in reserve, it doesn't really look like they've done shit. Well, they've done more. There's got to be a specific adaptation because it's a greater demand. Yeah, it's... Uh... It just kind of goes back to like the overcomplication of training models. I think, I think, I think really more of the value, like I tell people when coaching, I think more, they want to overcomplicate training. But I said more of the value of what I'm doing is auto-regulating your training and helping you, you know, focus on, you know, specialization of body parts that need brought up and also listening to biofeedback and knowing when we need to deload things like that. I think, I think that's, honestly more of a uh i think that's really where coaching comes in big time yeah is that we're being objective towards those things and then and then of course we can also see we can also see other things along the way like okay we we did way too much way too much volume in this phase they they were literally smoked in like two weeks too much you know we need to fix that so stuff like that, we can we can adjust and see if you're never now if you're never needing to deload, that's also not necessarily good. No, no, yeah, right. Very good. <laughs> it's like you know I've had that too, where I do think it's a it's a good idea to have a decent amount of time. Like I don't want to have to deload every two weeks. No, because you're never hitting any kind of stride at that point. 
you know, mentally, not only, not only a groove in terms of like the movement patterns and stuff, but you're just mentally not hitting any type of stride. Right. Like you don't, I think part of it is that you have at least a decent amount of time where you can go in and challenge yourself and you know what you need to do to get better in the gym, but you also don't want to necessarily go eight months without ever having to deload because then at that point you're not, you're not accumulating any fatigue. You're probably not creating any adaption. Right. Yeah. That's what I generally think people are either completely lying to themselves and they are very much overreached or they're just not accumulating fatigue, as you said, and, and there's no novel demand. Because how Yeah, could- it's both. Yeah, you're right. No, it's both, though, and, I, and I'm glad you said that because I think there's a lot of people that are chronically overtrained that are just so used to being overtrained that we're just like, – especially – it's hard, especially as a coach, to get somebody that's already like that, you know, because – that's their baseline. You don't know that unless they give you good feedback. It's hard. It's hard to really tell. Eventually, the signs start popping up over time, but but, but yeah, I, I see that all the time. And you can don't don't get me wrong. You can will yourself mentally to keep progressing load for a long time. It's just your sets get really shitty. Yeah, and you will like eventually. <laughs> yeah, like all you're really doing all you're really doing at a point is you're just basically moving the weight with pure pure will and your cns is just getting torched yeah it's just adrenaline moving it it's probably yeah contraction velocity right, right. So, so there's definitely there's definitely a difference i'm guilty of that too for sure like i've done it i've done it before but um but yeah that is a great point you do you do want to accumulate fatigue at, at times because it's just kind of a sign that that you are creating adaption. I think sometimes people like I'll get newer clients and stuff. They're, they're kind of disappointed that they need to take days off. Like, no, that's a good thing. You did your job. Yeah. Oh, something else I want to mention before we go. Um, something that I yeah. did first time ever for this back. Okay. And, um, man, I am very regretful that I didn't do it earlier. What I, is it? I got James Sutton from the Muscle Mentors to um, basically run an analysis of. So I, I have, I gave him essentially my training volume landmarks, frequency that I'm going to be hitting. So here's the amount of sets I'm doing each week on each body part, whatever. And then I filmed the gym. So every single okay. got in our gym, um, he's the um, biomechanics expert. And okay basically got him to tell me what movements to do and how to do them, what tempo, what parts of the range to fail in, how to make them the most efficient way to perform that movement. And um, man, it's, it's been, um, it's really, really upped the potential of my mesocycle because I, I know I'm, biomechanics is my weakest area. So there's stuff that I didn't pick up on that he did. And, and you know how those subtle tweaks in exercise selection or the way that you perform them, make all the difference um, absolutely yeah it's been incredible because I, i'm very much a fan of quite a limited exercise selection but with like the best profiles available to us like for example we've got a nautilus pull down in our gym um mm-hmm. and I, I do think that the unilateral version of that is the single best challenge to the lat that that i could i could get so i kind of you know all of my training the lat in the lengthen position at least i'm going to do it on that 
you know, I'm not, there's no point doing anything else. Um, and then, you know, similarly, hey, I need to train the lat in the short position. Well, here's the machine that does that the best. So let's do it all on that kind of thing. So I just got James to to do that for me, and um, it's been brilliant. That's so, awesome. I'd recommend you might it. have to you might have to give me his uh, information once my my range of motion is getting better in that shoulder, so I'll, I won't be as limited. But I would be curious to uh, have him help me in my next phase. Oh man, definitely. Because you know, I had the surgery on my adductor. I had a chunk of my left adductor cut out. Right. My yep. Ability to extend the hips is compromised quite badly. I had a bit of an emotional connection to RDLs trying to do them because I couldn't do them properly. Um, right. <laughs> I sent James the footage of me RDLing and stuff and he just broke it down like that, that, that. I hadn't even told him anything. He was saying, right, this is happening in the left hip and this and this. So we need to do this instead and this and this and this. And I was like, fuck yes, man. Like that's amazing. And like, since I've been doing those things, it's just a world of difference. Um, I think that's, that's incredible. And people have that, that type of skill and and like you and i we have that skills towards other things like we could we can look at something and probably point things out for they tell us what's going on okay. you know and it's but everyone has those everyone has those skills like it's uh it's so cool to see that in different areas you know people that are just true professionals in what oh, they're doing you know when you hear someone speak and it's like wow right and they're not just throwing long words at you breaking down stuff and i was like oh man even like i sent him a video of me doing the lion ham curl the other day and he was saying right pause the video at this point and look at the position of your pelvis next time you're on this lock it there and start the set from that position and straight away i was like oh my god like my hams were blown up so it's just your mm -hmm. internal, your dancing, like everything from my internal focus to the pump to the soreness everything and, and i felt like i got in the machine hit that position i was so stable and could drive so much force there. I was like, yeah, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, so it's revolutionized my training, man. That's like at the beginning of every, so you'll be, I'm gonna be cool. you'll be three three hundred, you'll be three hundred pounds by by New Year's at least. Okay, good. Bit more, bit more, bit more. Three or five. Marcus rule. It looked like his fucking birthday or something. Yeah, was, it, was he? He was like eating cake or something out of a box. It looked like. <laughs> Yeah, he was there with that. Uh, do you remember that Alexi Lesukov? I don't think it was him. Yep, Alexi. Yeah. What happened to him? Uh, I don't know. Poor guy probably got burned out. Yeah. Because yeah. he, you know, he, he was getting pushed so hard, and he was like, he was like fucking juiced to the gills, and he was like 16 years old. Yeah, he was very big, very young, wasn't he? Yeah, I don't know. It makes you feel bad for those guys sometimes. Like they just they get pushed into something because they have potential for it. But they like like when I saw uh, at the last seminar we did in Tennessee, Trey Brewer. Yeah, yeah. Saw Trey Brewer. It's like, dude, that dude got pushed so hard. Yeah, I'm sure he would had all these voices, basically people pushing him. Do you think Nick Walker's a bit of one of them, or is he just a freak? I don't know, man. I, I truthfully don't know. Uh, I've I've watched the interview with him. Um, can't really. You can never really tell. Like, yeah, he's pretty young. Um, I think he's definitely a freak, though, in that he was supposedly he was pretty big in high school too, just like a big person. Um, you can never speculate, right? I mean, or you can speculate. That's all it is—a speculation. Like, people want to say. People want to say, oh, he's going to be another Dallas and this and that, which hopefully not. But you got to think, 
there's other examples of people like Jay Cutler. Fuck, look how big he was when he was 18. Branch Warren. You know, all those guys are still alive and fine. Like, you can't you can't automatically assume that's the way he's going to end up. No, I do you know what he did? and he hasn't sort of blown up out of nowhere either. He's is- been big. That's what people don't understand. He's been pretty damn big for a while. Yeah, I think it's because people. He's only just getting eyes on him, and he's so young. People are going, oh, you know, but you know, he's been coming. It's hard up. to say. Yeah, I don't know. I don't wish anything bad on the guy. Shit, I hope he. Hopefully, he uh, stays safe. Shit. Oh, really, that's a lot of, I really like him. Lot of yeah. He's the freak. I mean, like, he's if you like freaks, you're going to like him. My God, can you hear this noise in the background? What is it? Jazz has just come home and the dogs are going, fuck it. <laughs> no, I can't, even, I can't even hear him. But, yeah, that's uh, – Did you? I've been posting all kinds of Marcus Rule memes and shit on my story. <sighs> I haven't seen him. I um, I just post funny. I just post funny shit because I think people don't understand. It's kind of like an ongoing joke with you and Steve. <laughs> with me and Steve, yeah, it's me and Steve. It was like uh, I posted the other day. Who would be the uh, if you had to pick a top six Olympia? It's a fantasy Olympia. It can be anyone, anyone that's ever competed in a pro bodybuilding contest. What would be the all-time top six? Top six and. What did he say? And uh, I said, well, well, no, Ian Bayer commented. He goes, he said, Rule, Nasser, Kovacs, and Dillette pose down until someone has a heart attack. Or <laughs> all of them. <laughs> I love it. Oh, that was funny. Who would yours be? Uh, what would mine? I, I don't even remember what I posted. Um, realistically, I mean, Coleman won for sure. Um, yeah, you, you, you could pick any year. So like, basically, you know, obviously you're going to probably pick their peak year. Um, probably Coleman won second, second would probably be, I hate to say it, but second would probably be like Phil Heath, 2012 or something like that. Maybe. Fuck, I don't know. I feel like that Phil Heath probably still beats 2009 Jay Cutler. What do you think? Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. I think so. I don't even like Phil Heath. I'm just being honest. I'm um, not Phil Heath, but he's, he's one of the greatest physiques to ever. Yeah. So I would say him. I'd say he's probably second, if I'm being completely fair. Third's probably like, oh shit. Third's probably like, uh, like uh, a prime, like either like a prime Flex Wheeler or a or a prime Jay Cutler. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Um. Uh, and then last couple, I would say, I would say like probably prime Dorian probably sneaks in there towards the end of the list. Yeah. Maybe. Um, there was a good, there was a lot of good top sixes on here though, that people posted. Um, on Facebook, I'm going to have a look. Yeah. I have it up right here. I'm going to, I got it. Let me see. And I did it on purpose because everyone comments on it and then it brings you up to the top of the algorithm. <laughs> Sneaky advertising. Oh, I'm seeing it now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. 
I know I missed this. I have like one or two slots still open. It's fucking hard. It's hard. <laughs> so everybody, do you think? Go and find Austin's post and comment your top six, Mister Olympia. Getting back. To yeah, it's on my. It's on my Instagram and on the Facebook. So, um, do you think that? We still got a couple slots. Do you think that? Um, Dexter Jackson makes the list. If he'd retired, I feel like I'd be saying yes. But I think that's why he didn't come to the front of my mind because uh -huh. so fresh in my mind. But he'd he'd be up there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, and then maybe... I think a prime... Lewis, just Who's that? Flex Lewis. Yeah. So a couple people put flex on the list. I think that's fair. I think that's if we're talking top six. I think that's probably like a fair assessment. Um, Maybe like a peeled out of his mind, Rami. Yes, for sure. But I don't know if any version. Well, he was. What year was Rami runner up? Wasn't he runner up in like two thousand seventeen, sixteen? Fuck, I don't remember. I th I think he was runner up. He was. I thought he was runner up one year to Phil, and that was uh, probably like the best he'd been. That was like twenty a few years ago that he got second to Phil. Um, yeah, the seventeen or eighteen? Maybe no, it would be seventeen, twenty seventeen. It would be. Some of these lists are funny. I think some of the people misunderstood my my criteria. I think they just put their sixth favorite on there. <laughs> yeah, because a couple of these, like, sorry, Arnold doesn't make the list. No, sorry, guys. Not by not by current criteria, anyhow. <laughs> no, I wouldn't put Arnold up there. He'd look, it would oh, look, God, no. That would show what a poor level of bodybuilder he actually is as compared to our current or, or like, the best, you know. One, there's so many guys, too. You could probably take a couple of the 90 guys, like your best Nasser could maybe sneak in there. At, oh, he could maybe even sneak in there over Dexter Jackson because he was so close to to Dorian. A couple, you could arguably say he beat Dorian one year. Yeah, yeah. And I'm a huge you know? fan. I have always said that. You know, so you have him. He may be like a really good Kevin LeBron. I mean, I don't even – I'm not a Kevin LeBron fan, to be honest. No, um, that physique some years was incredible. He was incredible. It's just one of those things where I can't relate. I can't, like, relate to people like him or Paul DeLette or like that that just kind of bodybuilded when they wanted to, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. That That's just kind of a personality thing, but – but yeah, I mean, clear Coleman's clear winner though. Yeah, can we agree on that? Uh, what two thousand, two thousand three? Probably, I think something like that. I would have loved to have seen a two thousand three Ronnie Coleman against two thousand twelve Phil Heath. Yeah, I think Ronnie would have taken. That. I, well, Ron, Ronnie's frame's too big. That's just that would end it right there. He's just too much. He's like five foot ten and just much bigger frame. Five eleven. I don't know how tall he is. 
Hell yeah. Imagine them on the rear shots. I feel like Ronnie would just <laughs> And Phil's rear shots are good. Phil's rear double bicep is good. It's just it's compact. It's just compact. Yeah. 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 Ronnie, I wonder how tall Ronnie is now. He's probably about five five now. Yeah, he'd have definitely shrunk some from the from the surgery. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's about a four, oh, five foot five. My dad had like the same surgery as Ronnie, and he's like way shorter than he used to be. Was it? Damn, I believe it. I yeah. believe it. Um, anyway, Somebody put Kai Green on the list. Kai Green? Oh, I don't know. Mm. What year? What year? Um, Two thousand. What year was he really? Was he closest to Phil? Two thousand and maybe like eleven or thirteen? I don't even know. Um, Something like that. Fourteen, maybe. I don't remember. Yeah, he got second in. Um, he got second a couple times, a few times. In a row, three years in a row. Was yeah, but one of the years, two thousand twelve, I think he got beat pretty good. I think was the year, but. Um, He's a freak. We saw him compete in person at the final. Freak. He's got to be pretty old now, hasn't he? Not old, but body. 40. Well, he's going to be early 40s. Yeah. He's still big. Oh, yeah, man. He looks like a fucking freak. Yeah, he's so fucking huge. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's like, he's, he's doing some – he's definitely – now he's just making money. He just does whatever the fuck makes him money. There was a, he was on the TV at the gym the other day. He was wearing a fucking wig. Training. Yeah, he's got that, like, skit that he does or whatever where he's got, like, you know, dresses as a woman and all this shit. And it's like people are giving him shit. And, like, he probably doesn't fucking care. He's, he's laughing all, all the way to the bank. He ain't going to give a fuck. No, he's just making money. Whatever. <laughs> all right. Well, anything else? No, that's it. I think that was a, actually a really good, like, informative episode there. I think people are going to like that. Yeah, I agree. That was uh, better. They're always better than expected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We should do more of these. There was some good training, uh, training tips and training programming stuff in there for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So, yep, that's it on my end. Yeah, so guys, if you enjoyed the ramblings, please let us know. Um, take a screenshot of you listening to this. Put it on your stories, please. We love to see it. We can give you the old repost. Um, please do check out the sponsors links below. Um, if you're seeing this on Apple Podcasts, look at the link below. If you're listening to this on the podcast website, click on the thing that says sponsors. And please do support them because they support us and allow us to get the podcast I'm going along. Thank you guys as always for listening. And we'll catch you next week. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, everyone, I'll put Savannah's um things below here. Go, uh, wish her good luck and shit because she's competing at some point over the next month. Um Shortly, <laughs> I'm being I'm being mysterious there. Doing some shows over the next month that you might see. Um, and yeah, thank you everyone for listening. Oh yeah, check out the sponsors below. Keep tagging us in all your cookie dealer 
whole, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Hose, not hose. Cookie dealer hose. That's like a music video. The cookie dealer hose. Any question? We should do that video. Yeah, I love that. All in the cookie dealer vest and that. Yeah. Yeah, we should do that. Do you wear your cookie dealer vest? Uh, I've worn it twice in the gym, yeah. It's good, isn't it? It's like, um, what, what do they call that material? Dry fit or something? Yeah. Right, sorry, I am talking shit now. So, yeah, peace out, everybody. Thanks for listening. Peace.